Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Just Man's the Podcast. I hope you guys are all still hanging in there with this quarantine. Let's all hope that it's almost over. I am so excited about today's episode because we have on-air style expert, fashion stylist, blogger, and mom, Melanie Pace, on to talk all things fashion. She's been featured on major networks like NBC and Fox, and even digital and print media such as Vogue Italia, The Every Girl, and Women's Health Magazine. This episode includes everything from her favorite and least favorite fashion trends, how to style a good pair of shoes, three things everyone should have in their closet, and she even shares tips for inspiring stylists. Guys, this episode is jam-packed with so much good information about the fashion and styling world, so if you're wanting to step out of quarantine looking refreshed and fab at brunch with your girlfriends, or even just wanting to up your everyday fashion look, this episode is for you. I know I need to take some notes from this episode because I am currently sitting in my room with no pants on. (laughs) Just be like that sometimes, you know? Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's just get right into it. Just Man's the Podcast. So I want to get into a little bit about your styling history. So did you always want to be a stylist? I mean, I feel like, okay, so I graduated college in 2005. (laughs) So I always talk about this because if you think about it in 2005, I still had a Nextel. Like I didn't even text message people. I mean, it's, it's bananas to even think about and like it ages me, but oh, sorry, there's... (laughs) <laughs> yesterday he walked by my zoom call twice without his shirt on and I'm like bro what are, oh my what? gosh he's like what I'm like well next time you're on zoom with your friend or for, with your work I'm gonna walk by without my shirt yeah on. you See, have like, to <laughs> you have to <laughs> okay so again nextel flip phone uh we didn't carry laptops to the uh library and get on the internet you had to plug in a cord and like do a dial-up so the the thought of me being a stylist i mean we watched one tree hill on like friday nights and that's the access that we had to the outside world so unless yeah. you bought a book and you read it about rachel zoe i didn't really know what a stylist was right um in 2002 or three, we went to a stylist workshop in LA at Fred Siegel. And at the, at that time, Fred Siegel was, um, it wasn't just a store. It's really changed like since back in the day, but Fred Siegel was the biggest thing to ever hit, um, California and people were represented by Fred Siegel. They were hairstylists, artists, um, uh, stylist, wardrobe stylist. And we went to this like full day seminar where we sat in, stylists came in, they spoke to us, they gave us a book, they showed us like how to be a stylist. And that actually was my senior year. So it was, it was, it was 2005. It was my, where did you, where did you graduate from? Florida state. Okay. With a fashion merchandising degree. So, um, and then, um, one of my girlfriends, she ended up watching E! News and she saw it said celebrity stylist like interviewing and she's like I'm gonna I'm gonna find her I'm gonna email her and so we googled her name at the library because it was like you know we're at the library like plugged into this big internet and she found out that her name was Dana Weiss which is Mindy Weiss the like very famous party planner's sister and she was a celebrity stylist and she emailed her she wrote her back and she's like hey I need an internship for my senior year do you think that I could um, possibly interview with you before we leave California and we were out there for this whole workshop and she said yeah, come and interview with me. And then she ended up being her assistant for a full month, like the last semester. And everything that she said to me, everything that she explained to me, I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to be a stylist. But at the moment, it wasn't really an option for me to move to California. It wasn't an option for me financially to graduate college and move anywhere at that point, because I was solely like, not supporting myself, but you know, my parents weren't like, yeah, let's go to Paris or opportunity to live in New York and I'll pay for you. That wasn't my, those weren't my circumstances. So then, um, so I would say growing up, I never knew I wanted to be a stylist, but looking back, 
the things that I used to do and the habits that I had, it was, um, you know, styling my friends, getting them ready before we went out. Or um, like, I remember when I was like, I think I was like six or seven and we used to have to say our prayers every night. And when my dad would leave the room, I would put the Barbie clothes off of her, off of my Barbies and put them in my drawers. And I'd be like, dear God, when I wake up, please let Barbie's clothes be in my drawers <laughs> in my size thinking that like you know if you pray like things, things yeah absolutely God will bless you and it never happened so but <laughs> looking back like those were kind of traits of being fashion obsessed or you know getting people ready at such a young age and so yeah. right so when you went to school for fashion merchandising what what did you kind of see yourself in a profession in that realm since styling wasn't really you know a, a thing yet the scary part is is that every class that I took in college because again like we didn't have the technical um abilities I mean I think my last year uh um office depot donated a million dollars so we could get computers in oh, a wow. computer lab. And so um, there was a lot of things that I didn't like. Like it was, they pushed being a buyer, which I hated math. They pushed being a planner, which again, hated math. And um, I liked the social side of it. Mm-hmm. I liked the retail side. I liked um, the merchandising side. So that's why my senior year, I went into visual merchandising and went to anthropology because that was an internship that was available. I knew it was in a store. I knew that I was going to be able to play with pretty things. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we were in school, we never learned about a stylist. I think maybe there was one thing that said stylist, um, someone that dresses the stars. And it was like a definition of what a stylist was, but we never once learned about that being an occupation that you could provide for yourself. That's so interesting because it obviously existed like in LA, in New York, these people who are styling people for like celebrities, I guess, but I guess it was more of like the stars had these stylists. And you had E! News, but like stylists now, like they've become celebrities themselves. I mean, 100%. Yeah. They're on the front covers of magazines. Like we know who JLo's stylist is. Mm -hmm. We know who Haley Baldwin's stylist is. We know who, um, what's Justin Bieber? Oh, Beyonce. Sorry. (laughs) British (laughs) Chime. We follow those people and we like, I like them more than I like the celebrities. Exactly. I don't really care what she's wearing. She didn't dress herself. Let's, let's give right. the stylist the, the like and the, you know, the, the really great comment because she's well, the one that's killing her reputation right now, you know? And they're the talent behind the look too. Correct. You want to get to the source. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to think like no social media for me to find out who the stylist is. If I log into E! News or tune in at a certain time, because it's not like I can look it up on YouTube. There's no such thing. And so you're watching E! News and that was literally my only source of fashion. And that was if the red carpet was there at the time. And again, that wasn't even like overly publicized at the time either. That's crazy. So then anthropology was obviously where you kind of got your start into the styling world. Right. Yeah. Um, So anthropology was my internship. And then I started, um, they asked me to stay on as a manager. And um, reluctantly, I took that position because, uh, you know, I liked the people helping side, but um, standing back in the fitting room and helping customers is not like, uh, it's not a dream job when you come and you've worked four years of college and then you're yes. like, oh, wow, I'm getting paid the same that somebody that doesn't have a college degree and that is just here for fun or the mom that's here part time. And like, I'm literally making the same amount of money, but like, so not to say that it's a, it's a bad job. It's just that it wasn't my dream job. And when you get out of college, you kind of have this whole idea of what your dream job is going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, So yeah, so I started in anthropology and then um, I just would find myself being in the fitting room all the time and trying to clientele where Mm -hmm. I was a manager and I had many other responsibilities, but I would call people on the side and I had this whole clientele book that nobody knew I had because Mm -hmm. it was just something that made, that's what made me happy is getting on the phone and calling, um, you know, a, a, a random person and being like, Hey, I saw that you bought 10 tops last week and just wanted to let you know that we got a whole shipment in and they'd be like, Oh, thank you. And then two days, two days later, they'd show up. 
you know? Wow. Okay. So you did that on the side without that even being like part of your job? Yeah. I mean, that was just, but I also felt like that, you know, because if people were to call you and tell you if that was your favorite store and you spent money and your job was to make money, Mm-hmm. That, it made sense. Like right. don't clientele and no one else is doing it. I wasn't thinking about my future. I was thinking about what would be best for our store. Right. Right. So then when did, when did you start thinking about you as a business and uh, like on your own? So your aunt actually approached me. <laughs> Shout out Anne Rue. <laughs> Anne Rue interiors.com. Um, <laughs> she came up to me and her, she came, she used to come in all the time and I would help dress her and we would be back in the fitting room. Just, you know, she's, she's hysterical. And I could so see her just loving like you back there with her. Come back here. You know, (laughs) back there for hours with her, just bringing her stuff. And then she'd be like, you know what? My sister is going to the writer cup. And I was like, the what? Yeah. (laughs) You're like golf. What? (laughs) I pretended I knew what it was. I'm like, Oh really? That's amazing. And she's like, and, um, you know, Chris Marcos, his wife or his husband, her husband, excuse me. And I'm like, Oh, okay. No idea. And so, I mean, I, my dad's a big golfer, but like, mm-hmm. I obviously at the time had no idea. So I was like, she's like, she's, she needs a stylist. And, you know, I think that you'd be perfect for her. And I was like, wow, a stylist, like a real job. What do you, Oh, I, I can do this. <laughs> so not even kidding. And I don't even know if you know this story, but, um, I went home and at the time, um, like a girl that I was hanging out with, she was doing, um, like, uh, what is it called when you're, when you're like, you can do things online. What is it called? Oh my gosh. I'm having a total brain. Like a freelancer. Um, Yeah. Like a freelance, um, like the stuff that they do stuff on the computer. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Anyway, she made me business cards. And oh, like she, a, a, a graphic designer. There you go. That's the word. <laughs> there it is. I couldn't think of that. Um, so she made me business cards, and we didn't even. I didn't even have a straight edge. Like she literally printed them on your on her computer, and I cut I cut them out with scissors. The next day, I went into Gucci, handed out my business card, and I was like, hi, I'm Melanie Pace. It said wardrobe stylist on it. I mean, I had never pinned myself as a wardrobe stylist ever. And I went in, gave them my card and said, hey, I have someone, they're going to the Ryder Cup. I would like um, size six, size eight shoe, all set up in the in the fitting room. And um, and she's she needs two different gowns. Like one's just going to be a shorter one, one's going to be a longer one. And they were like, okay, yeah, great. Let me take your card. Gave him my card, and I left. And I was like, what? <laughs> you got to like, think until you make oh, it. Oh my gosh! I left in my Forever Twenty One outfit. I probably had thirty dollars in my bank. I'm not even kidding. And I was like, oh my god. I'm like, I literally just pulled that off. And if the, if those dresses are actually in a fitting room tomorrow, I'm like, I'm going to be shocked. Yeah. So I met, I met your mother at the mall and we went into the fitting room at Gucci and I just literally pretended like I knew what I was doing, like helped her zip up the dresses, like hung everything back up, like called out for other sizes, went through a lookbook. We had to find different things. They didn't have the sh- um, shoe size. We went into Neiman's, we went into Bloomingdale's, we went like to every store. And that was like my first taste of actually, and I had to pretend to your mom that I'm like, I know what I'm doing because I can't show my very first celebrity client that I don't know what I'm doing. And so then from then on, like that turned into another client and that turned into um, me helping your mom, like during her whole like golfing, um, not career, but like, that was like a, a big part of her life that she kind of had to, to look good and feel good. Totally. And yeah. I had no idea that my mom was your first client. I had no she idea. Literally, she literally was my first client. Like when, <laughs> you're, when, you're, when your aunt came into anthropology and asked me that, I actually went home and I told my dad, I was like, yeah, I'm like something called the writer cup. He's like, the <laughs> And I was like, yeah, and I and I think I called your dad um like Todd DeMarco because I could not remember for the life of me. And he's like, yeah. Chris DeMarco. Yeah. He's like, what? Oh my god, that's amazing. And so I like 
again, it wasn't like you could go home and like Google a whole bunch because right. it was just, you know, yeah. So he was like, Melanie, he's one of the best golfers in the world. And, <laughs> and the Ryder Cup is like one of the biggest events in the world. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah. So you went into all those stores and they just like went along with what you were asking them to do. Yeah. And so from that job, um, the mall at millennia, I think it was like two months later needed a stylist for something. And the guys at Gucci that had interacted with me gave the mall my card. Mm. So that's what ended up starting my whole mall career was from going into Gucci with your mother. Oh my gosh. So I'm wondering then did, if these guys encountered that before, do you think other people went in there, like other stylists before went in there and was like, Hey, like we need this and that. So I know that there were other, um, there was one other girl that was doing it at the time. Um, she was really focusing not on like one-on-one styling, but she was doing more like Orlando style magazine and like yeah, gotcha. all of that stuff, because that was kind of a big thing. Magazines were huge back then. And, um, she was doing a lot of like freelance stuff that was more on like the fashion side. So they knew her, but the mall wanted somebody that could do like on air, Mm -hmm. um, camera work, stuff that was like styling, but more where like the person was the face of the styling. And then that's where you came in. Right. And they were like, that girl doesn't fit that profile. She fits more of the more like high fashion, um, not one-on-one personal styling. Right. Right. So then were you still, did you still work at anthropology and then do this on the side? Yeah. So I worked at anthropology. I worked there about, I want to say like a year and a half. And then Zuzu, um, the owner there, she kind of recruited me out of the store and was like, listen, I'll pay you hourly plus commission and you can promote your styling business in our store. Mm. So that was like where I thought, okay, this is great making way more money. And then two, um, this is a way for me to kind of position myself with the type of people that can afford my service, because that's so important with a a freelance business is that you want to be in like a bubble where like-minded people understand what you do. It Mm -hmm. took a while. I mean, I had to explain to everybody what I did. Oh, wait, you're like Rachel Zoe, because at the time, Rachel Zoe's show had just come out. Mm -hmm. So that was like, a game changer for my business right? because people then saw, oh, wait, you can do that to me. I mean, I have just as much money as that person that's on TV, so I can afford you. Um, And even though they lived different lifestyles, it was kind of like, um, it solidified my business being a bubble like Orlando. Yeah. So then from, from Zuzu, then, then how did you get to work? Cause, cause what do you do now? What are your services that you offer? for styling? So a little bit of everything. Um, when I was in Orlando, I was probably seeing anywhere from like five or six clients a week. Um, and that would be personal shopping one-on-one where I would either go shopping with them. I would go to their house and pack for them for events, go to their house and style outfits, um, for upcoming seasons, or I would go and shop for them on my own and then come to their house, set up a rolling rack and then service them there. And then if they needed new sizes, I would take everything, go pay for what they ended up keeping and then exchange the sizes. And usually I would have my assistants kind of like settle the sales. I see. Um, I remember you doing that with my mom. That's what I remember you was doing. So did you start, is that how kind of you started doing the personal shopping? Yeah. So your mom would, um, it's, it's kind of funny because your mom kind of paved the way for what I figured out what worked and what didn't in my business because she would, and then, um, I started doing like a couple of other professional athletes, but your mom was like, where she's like, okay, this is the event that I'm going to. This is the city that I'm going to. So when she would have a list of everything that she would be doing during that like two week period or a week period, or even a weekend, like sometimes she would go from like a Friday to a, to a Monday. Yeah. Um, and then most of the time, like if they were flying private, then they were like, she's like, okay, I have to fit this all in one suitcase you know, like, so then we had to be, okay, we can only take two pairs of shoes. So as I was putting everything together, I had to keep in mind the weather, um, the size of the bag. And then also, cause sometimes I would style her in like eight pairs of shoes. If she was staying for eight days, I'm like, I mean, you gotta wear a different pair of shoes every day. Right. Like, right. <laughs> um, but then 
yeah, so we would just keep everything really organized. So when I did come over and I put outfits together, it like made it very seamless for both of us. And then she would try the outfits on. Sometimes she wasn't even there. I think towards the end, she just would let me in. Um, and I would go back and style and she'd come over and I'd be like, all right, everything's packed for you. Yeah. So then the personal shopping. So that's, that was one side of your, your personal business. And then yeah. how did it shift into, you know, your styling for mall money, fashion shows, and then a video in, in, um, photography shoots. How did it shift into that? So I think, um, you know, just people asking you, I think that they're like, Hey, listen, you know, someone gave me your name. They said you're a stylist. And again, that's my whole, like cutting out business cards and faking it till you make it. And you absolutely have no idea what you're doing. Um, and then getting the word out there. So like I would go to Neiman Marcus events and Bloomingdale's events and walk around the mall and introduce myself to, to managers and like random people. I'd sit next to them at the events and I'm like, Oh, hi, what's your name? And chit chat, give them my business card. And sometimes people would call me and sometimes they wouldn't. And like, I have clients literally for 14 years later that I met at a Neiman Marcus event, handed them my business card and like have they have supported my career for almost 14 years. Um, so I think that it, honestly, a lot of it was like word of mouth and then me going in and pretending that I knew what I was doing, um, styling the event, kind of taking the, the, uh, the guidance from whoever was in charge and then putting my twist on it. Mm. Um, I went to uh, New York Fashion Week a few times. Also, like the more that they would start streaming online and like as soon as social media came about, I would screenshot things. I would watch um, different videos on like event planning uh, to see ideas and things that were going on in other cities that like Orlando didn't have. So whenever it came time for uh, Millennia Fashion Week, I would present my ideas and then they would kind of put their two cents in what we could afford what we couldn't and then the next year it was like all right well we got to change things up it can't be the same so it was kind of more like not being afraid to speak out um trying to put your creative twist on it without like stepping on people's toes but then as the years went on and I'm, I'm in year 14 it's like you kind of, you're the person that runs the show. I mean, you're the creative director, you've become the stylist, you've become um, the organizer who leans on you, but then you also have like, obviously a team of people that are implementing your creative ideas. Right. So it's, it's about putting yourself out there and that's obviously what helps you so much. Well, yeah. And then, and then say a producer knows um, uh, the person that's the PR person at Neiman Marcus and they're like, Hey, we need a stylist for a commercial shoot. And then that's word of mouth or you do in a, like, I remember I did a, um, a golfing, uh, shoot in West Palm beach, drove out there. They needed a stylist, um, assistant. And I'm like, all right, well I'll do it. Cause it's for Greg Norman. And I'm mm. like, all right, so I'll do it. The stylist ended up putting me in a closet. I'm not even kidding. It was like, the size of a bathroom. And she's like, all right, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to steam the clothes. And I ended up being back there for eight hours. And she was like, so like terrible to me and would not let me talk to anybody. She wouldn't let me, cause she was, she was nervous because when she started to talk to me, she realized that I had done a lot of these jobs and right. I was just like filling in as an assistant. So the team actually saw how terrible that she was to me. The girl ended up getting fired like, and then they asked me to come on the next shoot and I ended up working with them for like five years. That's so crazy. Yeah. So it was, it was funny because it was like, as terrible as that job was, it ended up kind of opening doors for me, um, in, in places that I, that I didn't even understand in, existed in this world, you know? Absolutely. So, so then now what would you say your services are? So it's the personal shopping, it's the, you know, styling and, in you know events and things like that so if like you had like a services list what would it be so it would be personal shopping is the one-on-one -on -one with clients um then you can do um like celebrity styling so that would just be like specifically for like events or people that are walking down the red carpet um styling for commercials or any kind of print ads so that would be um like I'm going to tell you some clients Publix commercials um pharmaceutical commercials um, NASCAR, um, 
anything that's on TV or it is on their website, there is a stylist behind that. Even like um, stuff that your, your dad's done with golf. I mean, who was he sponsored by? Um, like Titleist, he was, yes. Ping, he was, yep. all those big golf brands, yeah. There is a stylist behind every shoot that he was on, every billboard he was on, every uh, golf um, uh, golf balls or whatever. He There is a stylist behind all of that. So um, that's a whole nother like section. And that's more like production work, like advertising. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'm trying to think. So then this new virtual styling thing is really great because it's exactly what you and I are doing. We're mm -hmm. on a zoom call. I'm taking them through the steps, the clients showing me, and then also following up with shopping online for them. So I can create an email list and say, these are the tops I think you need. These are the bottoms. Um, here's some shoes. And then we get back on a zoom call and I can, um, as soon as they figure out what they want to keep of the things that I've, that I've styled for them online. And then we do another zoom call and I say, okay, Okay, take that white blazer, put it with those jean shorts and that pop of pink shoe. And that can be your look for um, the, the nighttime date night or whatever you want. And then we can kind of take a whole hour and we can style it together. See, that's such a convenient, like, opportunity for people too, because I feel like even if we weren't in quarantine, I mean, this, that opens you up to so many different clientele in other regions of the world, you know? Right. Right. Or even if you don't even necessarily need to clean out your closet, but you're like, Hey, I need a professional's opinion to walk me through like me packing for Costa Rica or whatever the case is, or like, I'm going to a red carpet event. I need her to send me 15 to 20 different options. And I'm going to try to try them on with her on zoom. And then the last, the last bit of it, um, which has been really, really cool to pop this into my career is doing the, the on-air stuff. So anything that's um, like, I went on a tour with Land's End, I want to say like six years ago, and we traveled to five different cities and I was basically their spokesperson. So we put this whole video together so they could post it online. And then also like I was the face um, kind of when, when people would walk in. So they set up kind of like, a, it looked like a boat. And so we were like in an outside shopping retail area. And if anyone had questions, it was like, they came to me and I was like their spokesperson. We, we set up at the boat parade in um, West Palm beach. So that was like a really cool gig because I was there. Um, it was, we went to five cities. We went to Tampa, West Palm beach. We went to Miami. We went to Naples and um, I want to say Fort Lauderdale. That's so much fun. Yeah. So that's like another part of the business that if you're comfortable talking about what you're passionate about and what, what you love, then put yourself in front of your social media or put yourself in front of um, a camera and get online and start networking your business. Because you, if you're the one that is the face of it, then you're the one that knows best about what the people that follow you want to hear. Absolutely. And that's another thing is social media. I mean, yeah make money off of social media. Like I'm doing a, a campaign with Swiffer coming up. I mean, yeah. hello, I use my Swiffer every single day. It relates right. not only to me, but it relates to everybody else that's Swiffering the, the crap out of their house right now. Right. You know? right. And, and do you reach out to those companies or do they, do they reach out to you mostly? Um, most of the time it's reaching out to me. Like I'm not an avid, um, where I reach out to brands unless it's something that I want for free, you know, right. <laughs> Hey, this is my platform. I really want to partner because I want a few of your ropes. Yeah. <laughs> then I don't care about doing that. But if a company reaches out to me and they ask me to promote their product, nine out of 10 times, I usually send them my pricing sheet and say, Hey, listen, this is what, what it costs. And then we, a lot of the times they don't end up partnering with me, but I feel like at this point in my career and in my life with my child and living in another country, putting a whole campaign together for somebody for free, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of work to even get a photo edited, let alone get it up on your social media with the proper caption. And you're doing this all for a, a, a free makeup bottle. I, right. It, right. Cause you're putting, it's time. It's time. You don't get time back. That's so valuable. My followers are real people. Yeah. Real people. I've never bought them. I've never uh, pushed to buy bots. So that way I have a fake following. These are people that interact with me. I take time to interact with them. So it, it just seems appropriate that if a brand reaches out, unless again, it's something that I want, 
mm-hmm. it's something that I would buy on my own, then I will say, yeah, sure. Or it's a business that I love. I mean, right. I try to support as many local businesses as I can. Right. Okay. So real quick, I want to get into um, some style questions sure. because I have a lot of questions. Um, first being, how would you describe your personal style? Oh my gosh. That is always such a hard question. Um, I think it's a little bit of everything. I would say I'm eclectic. Um, I love things that are girly. I love things that are rocker. Um, I love the grunge look. I love comfortable, very, Mm -hmm. um, especially now it's like I'm living in my Lulu aligned pants and that's just that. So I think it's like a little bit of everything like bohemian and rocker and sporty. You know, I played sports my whole life. So I think that it, it kind of resonates depending on like where I'm going. Yeah. I also feel like, cause I'm, I'm totally the same way. I feel like my mood plays a huge role in my style. Absolutely. And again, like where you're going, if I'm going yeah. to an event with a bunch of my winter park moms, I'm probably not going to show up in my like concert tee and my high-waisted jeans that are ripped up, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. but, like, if I'm going somewhere where I know that everyone's in their thirties and is going to appreciate my high-waisted, you know, crazy jeans, then I'm going to bust those out. Totally. And cause for, I mean, for me, at least I'm, I'm sure for you, like my style has developed over so many years. So what would you say to someone who doesn't have a, their personal style yet? They don't really know what it is. How, what would you say to them to kind of start figuring that out? So I think for that is like, I have a lot of clients that are, they have more of a simple, simplistic wardrobe. They love t-shirts and jeans. And I, I would say play with your accessories. If you mm. don't really love accessories, if you're, if you're not going to wear, you know, three or four necklaces and that's just not you, then try to think about, um, one more necklace, <laughs> you know, even if it's fine jewelry, like think about the two necklaces that you really love. It literally will change your style dramatically. And that sounds yeah. crazy. Um, like glasses, for instance, mm-hmm. if you are somebody that has to wear glasses, then maybe find a funkier pair. You can Mm -hmm. still wear a simple gray t-shirt and jean shorts and pop on a black blazer. If you have a funky pair of glasses, transform your wardrobe. Yeah. Buy a red Chanel versus a black Chanel. Mm -hmm. I mean, take it to um, your your handbags. And it's something as simple as that. Whereas like, if you're going to buy one bag, think about not necessarily being trendy, but think of it as being like a pop of a color. Instead of buying all white sneakers, buy a pair of cool golden goose that have like a thing of leopard on the back. Like put yourself outside of the box in like little small details. That's Mm going to make you kind of evolve that simplistic style. If you don't have a style and you feel like I have no idea I'm lost, I like a little bit of everything, then enlist in a stylist. Like Neiman Marcus, Bloomingdale's, um, they all have people that are there that are for free. You know, Mm -hmm. if you can't necessarily afford to hire a one-on-one consultation with somebody, go into these stores because a lot of the times those girls are like, they're professionals in the field. They may not necessarily get your style, but they're going to be, have a one-on-one with you. And if you don't get your own style out of it, then you're going to get something. um, You will get something out of that consultation with that person and it's free of charge. Right. And I also feel like too, once you kind of start expressing to a stylist there, who's free, what you like, what you don't like, it kind of solidifies the things that you you like, it, you, you kind of find your, your way in, in your style that way, just by voicing it to somebody else. Voicing it, but also having somebody that doesn't understand, understand your style at all. And they make you try on things that you are not comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. That's that style. You uh-huh. know, that person, I mean, even yesterday I was on a zoom call with a, with a new client and she's like, okay, I used a stylist once before. And she literally dressed me in the most like hideous, horrible clothes. I'm traumatized by it. She did not understand my style at all. She put me in bohemian clothes. Mm. So for me, I'm like, all right, well, that's good. It marks it off for my job that she doesn't like bohemian clothes and for her. So she is lost in her style, but she knows what she doesn't like. Exactly. At the end of the day, you're going to take away something from that, um, from that uh, consultation. So what is the hardest clothing item to style then? Okay. So the hardest thing to style when I go to people's um, closets is um, people that don't have any accessories at all. 
Like mm. they literally, they don't have, um, they have like one handbag that is as a handbag that I probably wouldn't suggest for them. Um, their shoe selection is like, it just doesn't exist or they have like a dirty pair of sneakers and like a pair of, of, uh, sandals that you're like, okay, we, we just need like to upgrade all of this. Yeah. <laughs> And not to say that it's a bad thing, but it's like, that is, it, it, um, my brain goes blank when I'm looking at a blank slate and I'm like, things I could do for you. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, so what, some of the times, um, that that's happened, I'll try to put a few outfits together and then I kind of stop and I say, listen, I have a list that I would like to make for you where things that I think could improve your wardrobe and take it a step, a step further. Do you have a budget? If you don't, if you do, let's talk about it. Then I can kind of suggest some things. Not only does that set me up for more time with that person, it builds a relationship because you're being honest with them. You're Mm -hmm. not just forcing outfits in their wardrobe that are like, my brain just doesn't even Mm -hmm. um, kind of resonate with zero accessories, like nothing. Well, I mean, I feel like it kind of speaks to what you were saying earlier too. It's like one small little change in your outfit, whether it's shoes, whether it's a hat, whether it's a necklace can just take the the look to a complete different level. So yeah, it's important. Yeah. And and it baffles me. I mean, I, I, th- I do think that sometimes I've stood in people's closets where I'm like, oh gosh, I'm so insecure right now because yeah. I'm really, really good at this, but this is not like good. <laughs> well, I think, I think the part of the problem, cause like for me, shoes are my, such my weak area because I think accessories and shoes and things like that can get intimidating. It's like you walk yeah. into a store and you're like, I, I like this, but I also like this. And also I don't know what I'm going to wear, what I'm not going to wear. Like my worst nightmare is buying a pair of shoes that I think is cool, but then never knowing how to wear them. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just intimidating. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, if you buy a really cool pair of shoes, no matter what a white t-shirt and jeans or jean shorts is going to go with it. No matter what. I mean, even if you buy like a big wedge, that's like a multicolor, then you can put on a pair of jeans and a white t-shirt and it's fine. So then what would you say to someone who has zero clue how to shop for shoes? Cause that's me. I literally, I walk into her store. I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting anything. Cause I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe what you can do is, um, now that you, you have access to online mm-hmm. um, or social media, you can kind of screenshot, maybe like put a number in your head, six pairs of shoes mm-hmm. and they're all different kinds of shoes. So it could be, what are you in need of? I really like, I would love to have a pair of comfortable sneakers, like really kind of take your brain instead of going into a department store and being like, Oh my God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to choose from. Yeah. And, um, kind of narrow your brain down and think about like six pairs of shoes that you would love to have in your wardrobe, a pair of sneakers, a pair of high heels that are comfortable, that you're going to be able to wear to an event, wear with jeans, wear with dresses, wear with skirts. And then you can say flat sandals. I need sandals because when it gets hot, I, I, I'm not wearing heels and I'm, I don't want to wear sneakers because it's so hot outside. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of say, all right, so let's think about maybe a pair of boots. Um, because in your climate, also in my climate, boots are something that you have to have in your wardrobe. Mm-hmm. What does that boot look like? Is it a combat boot? Is it a, a boot with a little chunky heel that's really comfortable? Is it an over the knee boot? Like think about the things that you really, really love for yourself. And then the last shoe is going to be kind of like your, your, well, I said six, but this is five, like your wild cards. Like maybe yeah. it's a, a pop of color. Maybe it's a, um, again, it could be two different kinds of boots, you know, combat boots. You can't wear with everything. Um, I mean, you can, but you, I wouldn't necessarily always suggest it. So you can do like a dressier boot and a combat boot. So think about those things where you're narrowing it down to almost like a shopping list. Like mm-hmm. right now, before we go shopping, we're supposed to have a list anyway. So that way we're, we don't spend very much time inside. Right. Um, think about it almost being like, this is your task and I need to get in and I need to look and then go from there. So like your everyday neutral um, heel is going to either be like a material it's either going to be black it's going to be some type of like neutral color and then you can again do your two wild cards right so then for like sandals because for me it's I I absolutely hate sandals like I think they're the least stylish thing in the world yeah and I don't know what you put with them so if you were to like if someone was like hey it's hot as shit here like what do I wear with my sandals like how, how do you go about making that outfit and making it look good because I just don't I just don't think they're stylish 
well, if you don't like sandals then don't wear sandals, like yeah. that's like, that's the greatest advice that you, you just answered your own question. I mean, yeah. like I say that to my clients all the time. They're like, ah, oh, I just don't really like this, this dress. I don't like how it fits. But like, what do you think? I'm like, well, you just answered your own question. Like, right. you don't want to wear sandals and you don't have to, but find a sandal. If, if it's something that you do like, and you're on the fence about, and you just aren't sure what is going to be right for you. Um, you know, maybe think about spending a little bit more money um, right. on a, where if you are looking at like a Steve Madden or a Vince Camuto, or like where it's like that middle price range where you're spending like $70, maybe pop into like a Neiman Marcus or a Bloomingdale's and like, a lot of the times they have great sales. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. you pop into a Bloomingdale's and you can get 40% off of shoes. Right. And you get like a higher end brand that's going to take you longer. It's going to look nicer mm -hmm. and you're going to get more excited than you would going into an Aldo and being like, ugh, I just yeah. hate these. Well, yeah. Because they're cheap. You yeah. Know? They're, <laughs> yeah. You know, so think a little bit about um, finding a shoe that you can maybe invest in. And like right. a lot of where, you know, this whole fashion world is going right now is really kind of thinking about sustainability and thinking mm -hmm. about putting things in your wardrobe, like having 10 pairs of shoes or five pairs of shoes instead of, you know, 40 pairs of shoes. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot more sense. What is one trend in 2019 that you hated? And then one trend that you want to keep in 2020? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, okay. What was a trend I hated? God, I feel like I like missed Any out packs over the shoulder. I hate, <laughs> hate. <laughs> Do you like this way? Okay. My boyfriend, so we went to Japan and my boyfriend is, he loves fashion more than I do. I feel like I'm just, I have more of a natural style and he, we went to Japan he like wore this all black outfit, like all black joggers, black t-shirt and this black fanny pack around his shoulder. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to literally go into the airport without you. You can meet me at the gate. I am not walking near you. I can't do it. <laughs> I hate it. Okay. So that I think was the one trend that like saved my life. My, um, my husband got me the, he got me this Prada one for, um, for what was it my birthday or Christmas yeah and I'm telling you that like I wear this all the time oh. and I wear it I wear it like this like I don't wear the fanny yeah here I yeah. wear it on my back but it is the best mom bag that like anyone ever invented like yeah. I don't carry a big bag I carry his diaper bag and then everything is like literally right here in front mm. of my face mm. and it's so no, I would not say that that's my worst trend. For guys, it's you know I can kind of get on board with you with guys. It's a little like I think it's just very European and yes. it's like a little feminine and and also too like the way that you just wore it around where where the fanny pack part was actually in the back. I could get on board with that, but when it's literally like on your chest, I just can't. I can't get behind it. I can't. You know what I think? Like one of the trends that was really annoying is like um. Uh, the little tiny baby bags. Oh, you know? yeah. Like, I saw like Lizzo. $1,000 for like a little tiny baby. I'm like, eh, that's no. just dumb. Or they no. put it around their ankle. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I think one of the like beauty trends that I can't stand are like the huge fake eyelashes. I hate those. I hate them. They have to be uncomfortable. Oh man. Toronto is like, like I, sometimes I look at and I'm like, oh my she looks like she has a spider on her face. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what is happening, but it's, um, it's definitely like, uh, I think people are slowly morphing into Kardashians and it's yeah. scary to watch. And those people with like the spider eyelashes are the ones that like, yeah, I just walked into the salon and was like, I just want to go for a natural look. And you're like, well, honey, <laughs> that's not what you have. <laughs> <Looking like. laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, that's a beauty trend. I think, I mean, there's, I've, I've done the, the fake eyelashes before. And it's all like, you know, I loved the way that they looked, but I definitely didn't um, do the, the spider effect. No. <laughs> and then what about a trend that you want to keep in 2020 that you loved? Um, I think like, obviously the, um, you know, I felt like last season, even when I was doing fashion week, that it was almost, it almost felt like anything, anything goes. It mm. was like, camo was in mixing prints was in um uh, like midi skirts uh it, it was like all of the things that are 
uh, a trend and have been a trend, it's like anything goes, like square mm. toes back, um, pointed toe is back. Uh, yeah. It's like all of those things, especially like the old trends. Like I saw a bunch of girls wearing tube tops the other day or like one shoulder tops. And I'm like, dang, I used to wear all that stuff, mm -hmm. you know? the tiny little, um, you know, over the shoulder handbags that I, you know, it's like all of those trends are kind of back in. And so I don't necessarily look at it and think gross. Like I think it makes me excited because I feel like those were trends that I used to rock back in the day. Yeah. It's like nostalgic in a way. Yeah. I hope your mom doesn't kill me for getting rid of all of her square toed shoes back in the day. Oh my gosh. She has way too much stuff in her closet. I'm sure she doesn't even notice. <laughs> you, know what, you know what your mom and Ann used to do? So huh. I would get rid of stuff in your mom's closet, like legit would like have piles of it. And then I would go over to Ann's closet and I'd be like, did Amy give you this stuff? And she'd be like, how did you know? And I'm like, <laughs> because I was in there like three weeks ago and I got rid of all this stuff and I'm telling you to get rid of it too <laughs> oh my god so they just like she like slept it off to my aunt and yeah yeah and then Anne would put it in her closet and I would like it was almost like I would catch them I'd be like stop sharing clothes and I'm getting rid of both of them for you <laughs> oh my gosh that's my mom's problem she cannot get rid of you you need to come in and fix her closet now because I'm telling her that she needs to get on a birch I, so I'm I'm living at their their place right now um you need to come do a virtual styling in her closet. Melanie, I'm telling you, I, I pull out the same 10 tops and I'm like, mom, I told you this six months ago. I told you this in a year ago. It needs to go. It needs oh to God. go. It's like the, t it, oh my gosh, I can't. You need to, you need to work with her. <laughs> well, you have uh, to tell her, you have to encourage her. Tell her that it's going really well and it's an easy, painless process and that you can stay in there with her and that we can make it like a little, um, a girl's day. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell her something. She's got to figure it out. <laughs> what did, what did you feel about, uh, biker shorts? I'm, I'm curious. Oh. I, you know, maybe it's just because I, I would never do it because I, I just don't really like, um, my body in biker shorts. Like mm. I've never really been a person that's like, can't wait to put on a pair of biker shorts and yeah. door, you know? Yeah. Um, it works for some people. I think it, it's just not, it's not my style. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the key to making an outfit look put together when you really just don't want to try? Cause that's me 90% of the time. Um, again, um, finding comfortable ways to, um, style like simplistic outfits. So like taking a tank top that say you like white tank tops, but finding one that might have like a little rib ribbing on it or mm -hmm. take it and tie it or, um, put a, a really cool jean jacket over your shoulders. Uh, again, add a pair of really cool sunglasses, a crossbody bag, but think about like a, a colored crossbody bag mm -hmm. or, um, maybe you're, so like the other day I was doing another zoom call with somebody else and she's like, Hey, I, you know, I bought this like sporty jacket. What do you think I should do with it? And I'm like, put a dress with it. So like put a knit tighter dress. That's a little bit dressier than mm. your sporty jacket. Cause it's like a zip up, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, a little like bomber jacket. And then I was like, and then put your Chanel purse with it. She's like, Oh, I'm like, yeah. So you take the the, the really casual stuff and then put something that's a little bit dressier with it mm. and kind of like mixing and matching your elements. Yeah. It's kind of like high end, low end, but you're taking your expensive stuff, uh, like the dressier things and you're putting it with the more casual stuff. So like I would put a Chanel bag with a pair of Lululemon pants and a t-shirt. I'd probably tie it and put like a jean jacket or even like a leather jacket over my shoulders. Mm. And then that way you can kind of like play with your, um, with your seasons. And then also like with the dressier and non-dressier elements. Right. I never even thought about that. Or if you're going out, like put on a few necklaces, like layer your necklaces. Um, even if you're in your workout clothes. And then where do you look for inspiration for fashion? Because for like, it, like, do you even look at high fashion, like runway fashion? Because I like look at the fashion, like the fashion that's on a runway and I'm like, that's not relatable. I don't know. I don't even know how to look at that. Sometimes like if the brand is relatable, so like say like a Zimmerman or a Tibby or stuff that's like literally turns into ready, ready to wear, not stuff that's like, like I'll look at a Gucci or like a Mio Mio or something that's like, uh, 
very over the top and eclectic because I just like looking at me like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy that they put all that yeah. stuff together. You know? Um, but I don't like obsess over it and think that that's like my style inspiration. I will say that for fashion week, like when I'm styling for fashion shows, that's when I kind of go into the archives of what they're styling for fashion week, because you really want to start like getting your brain wrapped around one. I already know how to style the ready to wear. So like I can style a person of like what you and I would consider, oh, that's a really cute outfit versus when you're styling mannequins or you're styling a show and you really have to think outside of the box, you're like, all right, so what colors are these people using? Are they mixing prints? Are they using socks? Are they putting big hair clips in? I mean, so I have to stay relevant with the times, Mm -hmm. not necessarily taking full inspiration for my clients, but more Mm -hmm. for when you're working in, um, when you're doing high fashion things. So like Mm -hmm. say big hair clips are in, well, I want to see how 10 different shows are using the hair clips or if, you know, the, the winged eyeliner we did this year that we put all on top and like, you know, they had it out here and then we did this like crazy hair. I have to look at all of that stuff to make sure that when I'm going into these meetings and I come up with five different inspirations, like I know what's going on on the runway shows Mm -hmm. because then I can say, okay, well, Prada did this, Gucci did this, Saint Laurent did this and present them with, with my ideas. Yeah. So as far as like social media, do you look at social media for inspiration for fashion? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I look at, there's, there's a few like bloggers and stuff that I love. Um, I think it's because they don't talk too much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They don't have like a million stories. No, I don't. I, and I never listen to people's stories that are on. Um, I usually just like watch them and kind of move on. But, um, yeah, I definitely like, there's definitely some like fashion bloggers and stuff that you take inspiration from, or even people like fashion editors, um, stylists. I mean, I look at celebrities clothing, but again, I know it comes from the stylist and that's why I follow so many stylists. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the street style that they style people in. Absolutely. And then sometimes clients will say, oh, hey, you know, I really love um, Reese Witherspoon's style right now or Katie Holmes or whatever. And then you've got to find their stylist because they're the ones that post way more than like the actual celebrity. And the celebrity sometimes, most of the time, doesn't even tag their stylist. And then um, what are three things that everyone should have in their closet? Mm. Okay. Um, I think a really great fitting pair of jeans, whether it's... um, you like dark wash, whether you like a light wash, whether you like something that has a little, you know, a little bit of holes in it. Is that him? Sorry, my son's awake. Has um, <laughs> have a few holes in it, a little distressed. Um, but again, think about spending a little bit more money on that because the sustainability behind a pair of jeans, especially if you wear them three days, three days a week and you're putting them in the washer, hanging them to dry, whatever, you really want a few of those to kind of fit like a million bucks. Um, I also think that some type of blazer, I think a black blazer can go a long way. I think that even if you aren't in the professional world, a black blazer, maybe something that's a little oversized, you can zhuzh up the sleeves, roll them Mm -hmm. up, you can put them in shorts, you can put it, um, drape it over your shoulders for a fancy event. You can um, pop it on with literally a white t-shirt and jean shorts. I think that a black blazer can go so far in your wardrobe and Find something that's lightweight. It doesn't have to be like a thick blazer that you would wear to an interview. Yeah. Um, It can be multifunctional into your wardrobe. And then the third thing, um, right now, I feel like that a uh, a slip dress Mm. can go a million ways. So you can wear a t-shirt under your slip dress. You can put a t-shirt on top of your slip dress and tie a knot. You can, and it looks like you have a skirt and a top on. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put a jean jacket over a slip dress. You can put a black blazer over a slip dress. You can also um, take a like button down and tie it over a slip dress. Mm. Or you can just leave it by itself. So say you're going to a really nice event put heels on with it. You can put sneakers on with it. You can wear that. I mean, I could style a slip dress in, you know, 20 different ways. Right. Where would you, so where would be like the best place for someone to get a slip dress? So I don't think that there's necessarily a a price that you have to put on a slip dress. Mm -hmm. I think that you could shop 
at a Neiman Marcus if that's your budget, or you could even go to a Forever 21 if that's your budget. Yeah. I mean, I think I have them from anthropology to, um, which was like a $200 slip dress to one at Zara or a Forever 21 that I've been able to style in, in a couple of different ways. And I also mm. wore them when I was pregnant, which yeah. was because there's stuff that like I still wear, but I didn't just have them while I was pregnant. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's great. Lastly, what is your biggest tip for an inspiring stylist? I think we kind of hit on that a little bit. Um, it would be to put yourself out there. Don't mm. be afraid to, um, to talk to people, tell people who you are. Um, I know that now it's a little bit different because the market, um, there are a lot of stylists, Yeah. but do an internship with a stylist, find a mentor, um, try to do as many things with a stylist as you possibly can. I mean, I still have people that work for me um, that have either become stylists or I can put them on jobs when people reach out to me and I'm not able to be there and I'm able to trust them to do those things because they worked with me for a year, a year and a half, and mm. I mentored them. But they were not afraid to one, contact me and to two, do things for free, you know, go and come to the events. And I didn't have a budget for them, but they would be there to yeah. learn as much as they possibly could. Yeah. Um, and then when you do feel comfortable to take on your own clients, like you need a website, you need, um, you need to be able to showcase your work somewhere. And even if you're just an assistant, you can ask the stylist, Hey, can I have those PDF? Um, do you have anything of that job that we worked on together? So that way they can put it on their website and put that they were an assistant, mm. but be careful with that because I think that one of the biggest things that, um, I have found with people that assist me is that they try to pose that the work is theirs mm, and that yeah. doesn't really do much for your reputation and it doesn't right. do much for, you can post things and say, Hey, I'm on set, but make sure that you're always kind of tagging and pushing the person that you are with and not pretending that that job, you got that job. You're not going to get any, any fan favorites from that. Right. Yeah. No, because I mean, at the end of the day, you, you didn't, you're an assistant, you know? And like, like you said, like, yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna kill your reputation if you try to go out on your own. Right. And you and the stylist, you may not have a good relationship with them and they might just not understand it or get it, or it, it just rubbed them the wrong way. And you might not ever get hired again. Hold on. And when you are on set, don't use your phone. Oh gosh. Yeah. Stay off your cell phone. Yeah. Be very, very aware. Do not talk as, do not talk too much. Don't talk to the stylist and don't ever give your opinion to the stylist or in front of the client, unless the stylist has asked you for your opinion. Mm. So what about asking questions? Asking questions is great, but do it during lunch. Yeah. Do it during downtime. Don't ask the stylist questions while she's in the middle because nine out of 10 times, the, the hair and makeup people, no matter what you're doing, the hair and makeup people get first dibs on the client. They usually take way longer than the stylist ever gets with the client. Mm -hmm. So you are fast, like trying to get to the finish line and they, they give you 10 minutes to dress the person. And sometimes yeah. you haven't even done a fitting with them yet. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you, if you do compile your questions, leave them for after the shoot or take it to lunch, mm -hmm. but don't ever say, I don't like that in the middle yeah. of doing <laughs> in front of the client. I mean, you'd be shocked and surprised, um, how many assistants have actually done that. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's just like, you got to have the filter. Like that's just something that even if, even if I'm, even if somebody has been with me for two years and it not, and I don't mean to sound rude, but the job is, is my job. You're there to help me. Yeah. And sometimes I will say, Hey, do you think that color looks good with that, with that person's um, skin tone or hair color? But for you to say, especially in front of the client, as we're doing fittings, like, I just don't like that dress that's like the biggest no-no. And that's one of like yeah. the biggest tips that I would give somebody that's assisting on set. Well, also too, it's a certain level of professionalism. And it's also when, when someone, when a client sees that, or, you know, someone that you're styling for a shoot sees that and hears that, they're not going to think, oh, that assistant said it. They're going to say, oh, Melanie Pace's assistant said it. Like it's your name. Right. I've also gotten, um, I've got, I've also gotten, not gotten hired from an assistant, uh, missing a call time. Really? It's not me. It was my assistant. He, um, we had a 4 a.m. call time and um, 
he didn't make it. And he had to come and meet us at six because it was a, an hour away and I never got hired for the job again. And they like actually still talk about it. They say Melanie's staff wasn't on time. Um, yep, we had to let them in this way, that way. Yeah. And he probably we didn't work for you anymore. No, he does. Like, and, and, and I mean, mistakes happen. Like yeah. he, his, his alarm didn't go off and, you know, but sometimes those mistakes, like they end up reflecting on you. And right. he was an intern. Like yeah. that's, that's also the problem is that he wasn't even a staff member with me. He was an <sighs> intern. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those, those, those kind of things, um, they can last for a long time. And like, if, if he doesn't end up working for me again, that could also be like a reputation thing that he carries along with him for a long time. But it's also mm-hmm. something that as a stylist, I have to think about who I'm hiring, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then real quick before we wrap it up, um, I want you to talk about virtual styling a little bit because I think that's super relevant to people right now, obviously in quarantine. Okay. Um, so the virtual styling thing is like we get on a Zoom call and I give you an email prior to getting us for us getting on the call. And I give you three steps to kind of follow before we get on the call. The first one is to pull everything out of your wardrobe that you wear all the time. So that's going to be kind of the, the basics that you go to, whether it's jeans, pants, skirts, shorts, the shoes, the accessories, the handbags. I want you to pull that all out of your closet and then kind of hang it on a rack and then push that aside. The next thing is you're going to pull out all of the things that you are, that you want to wear. Maybe it's a dress that you spent too much money on. You like the way it looks, but you just don't know how to pull it off. You don't know when to pull it off. You don't know how. Um, it might be a sequenced pair of pants that you're like, okay, I love these, but I've worn them to a Christmas party. How else can I style yeah. them? So that's going to be kind of your second section. And then your third section are gonna, is going to be all of the things that you go to, but you just don't like. Um, but you don't know if you should get rid of them. So say it's a sweater that you spent $200 on that you love the color, you hate the fit, but you just aren't sure if you should get rid of it or not. Is it, is it a me thing? Is it, it, you know, and then what we do when we get to that step is we kind of go through rapid fire and like, I can usually nine out of 10 times, just look at it and say, yes. But then also you kind of answer your own questions when you say, I just hate the way this fits. I'm probably going to tell you to get, get rid of it. Yeah. We can go back through number three and kind of see if those pieces are worth donating. If they're worth making money off of, you can give them to a, um, like a local consignment shop or if they're more designer and more of like have a price tag on them, then you can make money off of them. Like things like the real, real, or, mm-hmm. um, I know there's a couple of companies that you they send you a bag and you can kind of fill the bag and send them off and then they give you a check or whatever. Um, and then, Step number four and five are if, if the, once we, number four is the fun part where we start styling. So we take the things that you always wear and we start styling with the things that you want to wear. And that kind of like integrates into this like fun wardrobe. And then also because the, the, the number two is the stuff that you want to wear and you don't know how to wear it. And then we take it with your basics, like your capsule wardrobe in the first part that you did. And it just, it, it kind of creates this fun little wardrobe. Then I can tell you the stuff that maybe, maybe in number, step number five, there's a bunch of stuff that you need to get rid of and you need to take out of your closet. We can go through, but then I can also tell you tips on how to color coordinate, how to Mm -hmm. fold things to give you more space, um, putting away the things that are seasonal. So if you have a bunch of like sweaters and jackets and stuff that are cluttering your wardrobe, maybe you can put them in a suitcase and put them under your bed or put them in an extra bedroom. Or, you know, sometimes people keep those things in their wardrobe and you, you lose sight of the good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Um, so really kind of giving people tips on how to organize. And then, um, from there you can kind of like, you just feel free, you know, like get trash bags ready, uh, ready to try on things. Maybe you want to try on a couple of things, the virtual styling. And then also like afterwards I can um, suggest links, things to shop online. And um, then you can kind of add some fun pieces that after being with you for an hour on Zoom, I know that you absolutely need in your wardrobe. So it's basically just a vir- like a styling session just through Zoom. Like it's everything that you would get in person, just, you know, more convenient, more fast paced and just like through the computer. 
And we're so used to this now. I mean, I have not even seen my parents. So we're used to the technical difficulties. We're mm-hmm. used to the Wi-Fi going in and out. We're used to not seeing people in live time, whether it's personal relationships, work relationships, even TV. I mean, how many times do we watch TV and everybody's on Zoom? It's like mm-hmm. we talk over each other now. We have to wait for somebody to answer a question. It's not awkward anymore. This is mm-hmm. like this is our new normal. And it's, I feel like whether it's styling news work, this is what we're doing. So where can people find you, Melanie? Um, you can go to melaniepace.com. Um, my virtual styling stuff is all on there now. So if you want to book an appointment, it's really easy. A pop-up comes up book now, and it'll explain all of the services. Um, and then you can also follow me on social media. It's just at Melanie Pace on Instagram and then at Melanie Pace 21 on Twitter, which I don't really do a lot on Twitter unless it's, uh, you know, regramming people or. Yeah, <laughs> or I don't either. Retweeting. <laughs> yeah. I, but you know what? I go there a lot for news. I go to Twitter every day yeah. and I read, I read links and news, but I don't necessarily use it as a social platform as, as much as I used to. Right. What about Pinterest? I feel like Pinterest is making up like a new comeback. Pinterest is great. I mean, I am not as uh, active on it as I probably should be, but when I have things that I want to be inspired by, I definitely go to Pinterest. Pinterest is a great spot. I mean, even for somebody that is, um, you know, struggling to find fashion tips, I mean, you can do, you can put in how to style a jean skirt and you'll find a million ways to to style a jean skirt. Right. There's a lot of style tips on Pinterest. Yes. Pinterest is a great resource. Okay. So say, say your Instagram name it one more time. It's just at Melanie Pace. Okay. Melanie Pace and then it's the website. MelaniePace.com. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Of course, it was fun.